This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, UConn up 13 early in the first half. And looks like it's gonna uh, be cut to oh no it's gonna be cut to eleven but they just missed a layup UConn's been blowing everybody out they've won five games by double digits they're now up sixteen and I think that the same is gonna happen tonight so a little anticlimactic they were seven point favorites in a national championship game that's uh, maybe pretty unprecedented for it to be that you know non competitive and you know UConn's out to a, an early lead so I'll update you on that as that progresses if you're leaving Yankees stadium we want to talk to you about uh those bronx bombers improving to three and one on the season should have won saturday i mean that was an annoying game against the giants losing seven to five had many blown opportunities but to win three of your first four games can't complain about that shout out to glaber torres involved in a bevy of trade rumors is this guy going to be used to go out there and get a pitcher we'll see what happens but to start the season he's been pretty playing pretty well two home runs the second of which came tonight Yankees hung eight on the Phillies, who, by the way, after winning uh, the National League last year, are winless on the season. They are 0-4. Couldn't get in the W column tonight. Yankees take care of business 8-1 at the stadium. So if you're leaving, hit us up, 800-919-3776. Nestor Cortez, five innings, seven hits, one run, three strikeouts. The starting rotation that to start the season, missing 60% of it, because of the injuries to Frankie Montas, who's out for the year, Severino, who I really have no confidence in as far as him being able to stay healthy because we have four years of evidence now that it's more likely he's going to be hurt than he's going to be healthy. Carlos Rodon also on the IL. You needed guys to step up, so you got Johnny Brito, the rookie, the 25-year-old rookie who pitched well yesterday, Nestor Cortez, who the Yankees relied on heavily last year and you know got the fan base so excited. Remember parts of the season we're talking is he going to be the game one starter in the playoffs? Of course he wasn't, but he was that good that it became an interesting conversation among the fan base. Uh, he pitched well tonight, so good for this team to, to get another victory. This is, I guess you can look at it as an early season test. I don't know how good the Phillies are going to be 0-4 to start the year, but they did win the National League last year, so we'll see how the Yankees can fare against them. 800-919 at 3776. Mets, meanwhile, blanked in Milwaukee today, 10 nothing. So after taking three or four against the Marlins, a Marlins team that is supposed to be improved this year, Mets got shut out today. That, that was an ugly, ugly, ugly loss. So we'll get into the baseball as we continue through the show. But I did want to start with what happened last night at the Garden where I was in attendance for and a conversation that uh, continues to percolate as we progress toward the NBA playoffs that is set to get underway in about two weeks. Last night, the Knicks clinched a playoff appearance, just their seventh playoff appearance since 2000. And look, I'm not a Knicks fan, obviously, but just being there, experiencing that, it was fun. Because you start the season, and I believe the over-under was about 37.5 wins for this Knicks team you you could make the case that their ceiling was probably that of getting into a play-in. No one saw this coming. No one saw them being the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, being led by two, I guess you can call them all-stars. Julius Randle is an all-star. Jalen Brunson, many people feel like, should have been an all-star. No one really saw this coming. You go back to last year, 
people were questioning whether Tom Thibodeau was the right man for this job. I always thought it was crazy. He was the coach of the year. He didn't forget how to coach. Just don't think the roster was that good. So now you come into this season, expectations aren't really high. But now you get to a point where you could legitimately, if you're a Knicks fan, dream about the prospect or the potential of winning a first-round playoff series. And that, to me, became more elevated uh, when they they went into Cleveland without their best player and hung 130 on the league's number one defense. So if you're a Knicks fan right now, you have to be excited going forward. All of that depends on what we're going to see next week when we get the reevaluation on Julius Randle's ankle. But it, it, it was a great moment at the Garden last night. That that Wizards team is dreadful, and especially without their three best players in Kuzma, Beal, and Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Find a way to be up eight at halftime, but then the Knicks, uh, on the strength of Quentin Grimes, Jalen Brunton, and Emmanuel quickly in that second half, pulled away and were able to get it done. I did come across a tweet, though, that angered me earlier today. It, it really it really annoyed me, and it was to the ESPN New York account, and it was courtesy of Nick City King, who said, honestly, and this was during Barton Hahn, they were taking calls about the Knicks winning and Julius Randle has become such a polarizing figure amongst his fan base. Here was the tweet from Kings, or I'm sorry, Knicks City King. Honestly, I do feel like the Knicks are better without Julius Randle. And this is the type of take that we need to retire immediately. It has to stop. I don't understand the fascination some of these fans have with disrespecting Julius Randle, but it has to end. Here is my question to you. Julius Randle, as I mentioned, is going to be reevaluated for his ankle injury next Wednesday. If the Knicks, after said reevaluation, release a statement and announce that he's out for the remainder of the season, you're going to tell me you feel better about their chances in the playoffs? I, I just, for the life of me, and all season long, I, I've been asking this question on Twitter. I've been on these airwaves asking the question, what is it going to take for folks to appreciate what Randall has done this year? Why is it that he can sit up there and, and be one of four guys averaging 25, 10, and 4? One of four guys, along with Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic, all three are MB, MVP candidates. How is it that we can have that guy doing this in this city for this team that has been allergic to success, let's be honest, for the better part of two decades, and we keep hearing the fan base, some fans, not all of them, clamoring for getting rid of him? What did he do so so flagrantly that turned you off? I can understand that he doesn't have the most pleasing game optically. He gets... Sometimes caught up in the spin move and the over dribbling and the jump passing straight out of bounds, and you don't necessarily trust him the most in crunch time. I understand that you know him having the altercation. I don't want to call it an altercation, but him and Emmanuel quickly uh, getting in each other's faces rubbed you the wrong way because that can absolutely upset team chemistry. Sometimes he 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 comes across as a guy who. Is selfish, even though, as I mentioned, he's he's still averaging for a big man, you know, four assists, pretty good. I, I just don't understand it. Was it the bad playoff series against the Hawks? Like, what has turned you off so much uh, about this guy that you really, in the midst of, let's call it what it is, one of the best seasons that Nick has had in the last two decades, 
you still can't seem to afford him the praise that he deserves and that that is warranted. He's likely going to finish on the All-NBA third team, which is a big deal. The NBA voters are acknowledging you as one of the best 15 players in the league. And I get, you know, when you consider the breakdown of guards versus front court, it doesn't necessarily break down that you're one of 15 players in the league. But just for all intents and purposes, uh, him being on the All-NBA team, that's a tremendous accomplishment. He was an All-Star for the second time in three years. The idea that you can have a guy putting together one of the best seasons, as I mentioned, of the last 20 years, leading you to the playoffs for this the seventh time since 2000, and you want to get rid of him, to me, is insanity. And then I'm listening to Barton Hahn, and a caller said, you know what? I'd rather Obi Toppin over Julius Randle. I almost lost my mind. This This isn't a franchise that has had an abundance of talent. It's not like... All these great players, we're living in an era now where there's a bunch of, uh, uh, there's been the advent of player movement, right? All these guys are, are, are moving to different teams. And it's not like any of them are signing up to play with the Knicks. You have a guy who right now is fourth, fourth all time in franchise history in scoring. He's one of five guys the last 40 years to be an all-star multiple times and you still don't like him, make it make sense to me. Is he the perfect player? Of course not. Can he be the best player on a championship team? Absolutely not. But does that mean that because he's not Giannis, he's not Steph, he's not Durant, he's not Luka, he's not Jokic, he's not Kawhi, we're going to sit here and criticize him? I just don't understand it. So make it make sense to me at 800-919-3776. If the criticism is about him melting down in the playoffs against the Hawks, that's fair. I would argue that Tom Thibodeau has to take some of the criticism as well there for failing to make the adjustments that you know Nate McMillan threw at them defensively. But I, 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 am, I am game if that is what you want to criticize him for. But, I mean, isn't he allowed to get the opportunity to rectify that? It was his first ever playoff series. And he didn't play well. Did not play well. But now, assuming he's able to come back healthy, he's going to get an opportunity to right those wrongs. I just don't understand it. So we'll talk about it. 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. Coming up, uh, in addition to your phone calls, we're going to hear from the worst phone call of the day uh, that happened on these very airways. I'm excited to do that because Here we uh, go. I'm listening to it. I was so disgusted. I got a player for you guys so we can react to it. We're going until midnight. Good times will be had. Right here on 987 ESPN. Folks out there are more offended by talking about racism than they are about actual racism. But we'll talk about that going forward. 800-919-3776. Ty Butler going until midnight tonight right here on 987 ESPN. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Let's get to your phone calls before we hear from the worst caller of the day on the station. Uh, we can head to Harlem to talk to Rashad. What's up, Rashad? Talk to me. Bad and lead off today. Hey, Ty. Good evening. Good evening, Ty. What's up, man? What's up? So I just have a quick question. Let's hear it. Which one do you think is worse? The Knicks fans that crucify Randall, even though he is having one of the best seasons of his career and as a Knicks 
or the Jet fans that are saying, we don't need Aaron Rodgers. We don't want Aaron Rodgers. He's too expensive. He's going to cost too much. We don't need him. He's going to push our franchise back. <laughs> Mind you, these are both two franchises that are, have not seen success in so long. I'm a Knicks fan, by the way, and I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, and I'm a Giants fan. So I'm not trying to, to bash Knicks fans because I'm a Knicks fan myself. But I'm trying to be objective. Both I, franchises have not seen success. Yeah, I, so I, I listen. It's a phenomenal question. I appreciate the call. I I, I think that it, it's the perfect comp when you talk about Knicks and Jets fans because I think both teams who are or who have fan basing starving for success haven't won championships uh, in, in so long. Jets in '69, Knicks in '73. You have teams that are so emotionally broken, uh, it, it affects with their ability to, to view things rationally. The whole Aaron Rodgers thing never made sense to me. The Jet fans who are so concerned about you know building for the future. I mean, try making the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. Try doing that. You insert Aaron Rodgers into this equation. And you're instantly a playoff team. You become one of the contenders. Like that just never made sense to me. That the idea that you'd go with Derek Carr, who's had one playoff appearance in, in his career, over Aaron Rodgers, who's won a Super Bowl. The whole Julius Randle thing, I think, is different because there feels like there's there's a there's a vendetta against him because his first season, you remember, was not good, and and Nick fans wanted him out of town. That the second season he comes in, he's an All Star. They loved him until they got to the playoffs, and he stunk it up against Atlanta. Last year was a disaster. He's gone at the fans, and this year he's rebounded. I, I would say that the more apropos comp was, remember last offseason in the, in the NBA when we were talking about the whole Donovan Mitchell thing, and there were Knicks fans lining up talking about they didn't want Donovan Mitchell. Excuse me? One of the best players in the league? You don't want him? Why? Because he's an undersized guard who can't play defense? Boy, wouldn't you love to have Donovan Mitchell right now with, with this team, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? What would your ceiling be then? Especially knowing that Cleveland wouldn't happen. So you'd be a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. I think that it's amazing to me when you get two, fra- two franchises with fan bases that have struggled so long. And look, I'm a Jet fan, so I can attest to this. I've grown impatient, but we clamor for stars to come here, to the Jets, to the Knicks. And then when said stars become available, we highlight their flaws and decide that we're the organization that's too good for them. It never made sense to me. If you are a Knicks fan who who did not want Donovan Mitchell, I'm sorry, you're clueless. And don't talk to me about depth and getting rid of Grimes and quickly, who have been tremendous this year. And that's no knock on them. But those guys are replaceable when you talk about building a championship contender. You have to get rid of pieces in order to get the great players. And if you get great players on this organization, you at least give yourself an opportunity uh, to, to, to compete and contend if things break your way. You give yourself an opportunity to do that if it breaks your way. But the whole Jet thing, I mean, don't even get me started. We'll, we'll talk Aaron Rodgers a little bit later on because Mike Florio weighed in today about you know, what the timeline can look like uh, with the potential trade between the Jets and the Packers. I'm itching for it because the, the, the minute the Jets land Aaron Rodgers, they're a uh, championship contender. The minute they land him. Let's go to Brooklyn, my old stomping grounds, and talk to Jose. What's up, Jose? 
Hey, what's going on, Ty? Yo, talk to me nice. What up? Oh, man, I've been, I, 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 I will, I, I think, I gotta say, you know, when you retweeted one of my tweets, I got so many angry people from the company trying to, you know, get mad at me just for saying that um, someone steals your take. <laughs> oh, oh, you were the guy saying that Rick DiPietro steals my takes? Yes. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. He does. You can hear DiPietro oh, yeah. and Rothenberg yeah. 6 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Dan Grassa actually filling in for Dave this week, who's on yet another vacation. I mean, anyone take more vacation days than Dave Rothenberg? Barely works and still gets a lot of money. I uh, would love to sit in his shoes. But what do you got for me? See, this is why you're the best in the biz, because you just did a great plug right there while, while, <laughs> while in the middle of the call. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So I got to I gotta say, you know, and the thing is, I, I, you know, I've been a vocal, um, I would uh, uh criticizer of uh, uh, Julius Randle, because it's kind of funny, because I end up being a defender with my with my other Nick fan friends. And with ESPN, I kind of become a agitator. So the thing is, um, I think the issue with Julius Randle is not only that he, he had the bad playoff performance, it was the following up the next year where he just, you know, was inconsistent and griping with the fans and the fact that he it looked like he didn't take any accountability. And I, I will say when I to come up with the defense for Randall with this year is that he has taken the time to at least get better. There has been marginal, uh, marginal improvements, especially with uh, Brunson being there to mask all of the other flaws, especially within the fourth quarter. And I do agree that we, I don't think we have a strong enough chance because um, even though we beat the Cavs, the Cavs didn't have Jared Allen and we kind of need all the side that we can get, and Randall does provide that. It's just more of, is this going to, um, I know uh, um, you're old enough to remember this, is this going to be like a Alex Rodriguez situation if he goes out and gives gives us an 18-8 and eight performance in the playoffs? Then that's gonna really hurt his hurt his view when we're putting him in the uh, space. Of, no, absolutely, and joking. Absolutely, absolutely, and I appreciate the call. Let's let's be clear. So I said he's one of four guys averaging twenty five, ten, and four, along with Giannis and beating Jokic. I'm not saying he's those guys. I'm just putting the fact out there that that stat line is only being registered by the three guys who are in the MVP conversation. So if you are a Nick fan, you should appreciate what your best player is doing. Uh, again, it is fair to be critical of him for the things that you mentioned. The, the bad playoff series against the Hawks where they lost in five. You remember Nick fans clamoring for Atlanta because they felt like that was their best, best path toward getting to the second round, and then they got smoked in the series. That was actually at the only win they had in, in game two. But Trey Young smoked them, and Randall, Randall did, did not come up big in the moment. It's fair to to hold it last year against him and you know him going at the fans. I get it. But when he's putting on this type of performance this year and up until that game against the Heat where he got hurt, he he had played in every game. I think that's that's worthy of adulation. That's all I'm saying. And this idea that some Nick fan, well they're better without Julius Randle is just crazy. By the way, so I tease this. I was listening to the Michael K show earlier. Listen to every day from uh, 3 to 7 p.m. right here on 98.7 ESPN. And here was a caller who suggested that Randall should come off the bench. It's before the season started. Chris in Wontalk. I've been saying it since before the season started. and getting hate from all my friends. 
But listen, the team's just going to play better as an offensive unit when Obi slides in over Randall. I know he's inconsistent, like you said, Michael, but he hasn't had consistent minutes all year. But when he's on, he can get you a quick 20 without touching the ball, which allows RJ, allows Grimes, allows Quigley, allows Brunson, allows them all to eat. And we're undefeated right now. Like, the first in the pudding. I know we haven't been some great teams, but listen, all I'm really hoping for is we get a situation where we get to the playoffs and Randall has to miss a few games. And then we go up on the Cavs. And now you can't just plug Randall right back in, so Randall has to come off the bench. Now imagine if this team clicking at full cylinder when Randall coming off the bench and that team moving forward. It's probably the most optimal situation for this team. Stay off the weed. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that, that's wrong with that phone call. It, it progressively got worse as he continued talking. One of the things I want to highlight is he said Obi Toppin can come out there and give you a quick 20 even without touching the ball. Obi Toppin this year, you know how many 20-point games he has? One, and that was yesterday. So prior to yesterday, he had zero 20-point games, despite the fact that this caller is saying he could give you a quick 20 without touching the ball. The idea that you are going to take your best player, and if and if you, know, if you want to be someone who's – who's arguing Jalen Brunson's the best player. So worst-case scenario, Julius Randle's your second-best player. He's give you 25, 10, and 4, and you're going to stash him on the bench in favor of Obi Toppin? Are you out of your mind? Like, like could you imagine the Knicks announce Julius Randle's cleared to play basketball, but you know where we're going to bring him off the bench? That's crazy. That's insanity, and, and you're rooting for him to be hurt the first couple of games? Why? Because, and I want to give the Knicks credit. They did, in that second half without Julius Randle, beat Miami, who was on their tails. They did go to Cleveland without him and hang 130 on the league's number one defense. They did, last night, beat Washington. So they haven't missed a beat without Randle uh, so far in the, what, 10 quarters they've played without him. But the playoffs are a different animal. And this notion that you now want to subtract one of your best players on the team in favor of a role player is crazy. So this is why I get so frustrated. I get annoyed. There are certain things that are on the table. Again, you can be critical of him. But this, this, this false notion that you would be better without him, stop smoking. That's crazy. That, that is absolutely insane. Let's go to New Jersey and talk to Steve. What up, Steve? Hey, how you doing, man? Um, real quick, couple points. If I can just a couple, couple seconds of your time. Uh, anybody who doesn't want Julius Randle on this team is just absolutely ridiculous. All right. Um, just to, to people that's listening, there's a difference between knowing basketball and just being a fan of the sport. Okay. And I think there's a lot of these fans out here who watch the sport and think they know basketball. It's two different things. Julius Randle has been a godsend to this team, and his upside is way greater than his downside. Can he get a little careless? Okay, cool. Does he, uh, you know, be acting a little crazy towards the refs? Okay, cool. But so does LeBron at times too. So anybody who doesn't want Julius Randle on this team just needs to stop talking. Uh, secondly, I love, uh, uh, oh God, who's the coach's name? I love Thibodeau for 47 minutes. I think when it comes to the last second shot of the game, his play calling, especially on offense, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he his his. Lack of offensive plays. I mean, how many times have we seen in, in the past year or two when the Knicks need a last-second shot and all he does is call a play to inbound the ball to Julius Randle. Julius Randle is forced to take this ridiculous shot or pass out of the double team, which he cannot do, 
And don't get me wrong, I know he made a big shot against Miami, but if you take enough of them, one or two is going to go in. All right? So that's the downfall to the Knicks when it comes to coaching. I like him for 47 minutes, and I think in the playoffs, that's going to come back to bite the Knicks. I think they're going to have uh, really tight games. I don't think we're going to blow anybody out, but last second and last minute coaching is really going to do us in. But I'm going to be rooting for us anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Listen, I, I, I appreciate the call, Steve, but here's the thing, and I think people, people get too caught up in, well, you can't have the ball in Julius Randle's hand run in isolation. You realize that all the best teams in the NBA do that? You know who has the ball late in games for the Warriors taking the biggest shot? It's Steph Curry. You know who has the ball late in the games taking the biggest shot for the Sixers? It's Joel Embiid. It's Giannis for the Bucks. It's Kawhi for the Clippers. It's LeBron for the Lakers. Now, there are definitely opportunities for if the double team comes, we can kick the ball out to someone else and get an open shooter. And that happens. But the best players in basketball are all going isolation on the final possession to try to win the game. It just so happens that with the Knicks, your best player isn't the one that you actually trust late in games. It's more Jalen Brunson, and I'm cool with that. But I'm not going to be overly critical of Thibodeau because of isolation. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. So I, I don't think that's too much of a deviation from what the rest of the league is doing. 800-919-3776. We come back, more of your phone calls. And once again, like I said, we're going to get into the Caitlin Clark and Jarese thing. And we'll also hear from the Yankee skipper Aaron Boone following an 8-1 to victory for the Bombers at the stadium over the Phillies. They have now won three of their first four games. Gleyber Torres playing well, pitching rotation, holding up. It's early. It's early. But still – Good to get a few wins under your belt, uh, despite the fact that they're battling a bunch of injuries. 800-919-3776. Back with your phone calls and more right here on 987 ESPN. I am not a fraud. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Yankees with a victory tonight at the stadium. Taiwan Walker, former Met, was on the mound. He was awful. He gave up four runs and four and a third innings pitch. We know the Yankees are going to hit home runs. That that's that's never been an issue for this team. Two more tonight off the bat of Anthony Rizzo, his first of the season, and Gleyber Torres, his second of the year. We saw Stanton and Judge go yard twice this past weekend. They're gonna hit home runs. That is not a problem for this team. Unfortunately, once we you know, get out of the honeymoon phase, we're going to wonder about what this iteration of the Yankees looks like once October comes around. It's a long season, so you don't want to spend it being miserable, but I do think you can simultaneously enjoy what you're watching because this team will be really good and still have your eye on, okay, what is going to you know unfold once uh, the calendar Shifts to October because we've seen this team time and time again have high expectations, score a ton of runs in the regular season, and then forget how to hit in the playoffs. So that's the one thing or one of many things we're going to be paying attention to along with guys returning from injury, Anthony Volpe, and his rookie season. Uh, so it's a ton to be excited about the, with the Yankees. Lots of question marks, but this team should be pretty good. And once again, we'll hear from Aaron Boone in the 11 o'clock hour. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone lines we go. This should be a beauty. Let's go to Brooklyn and talk to Dave. What's up, Dave? What's going on? Butler, Todd Butler. What's going on, man? Listen, 
I just want to say everyone was saying everything bad about this guy, Randall, when he was on the court. Every time a caller would call, they was complaining about Randall. Now, when he's not on the court, everybody wants him back, ironically. But you have to realize that, yeah, there were nights where he had games where he was scoring, and there was a lot of nights where he wasn't scoring. And the fact of the matter is the ball flow is so much better now that he's not on the court. It's like everyone would stand stagnant and wait to see what Randall was going to do. But they were winning games. On the court. Yeah, but here's hey, the thing, Dave. Dave, I'll let you finish. Here's the thing, and I keep, I keep hearing this same sentiment going around. The ball is flowing more. With Julius Randle, you know what the Knicks were in offense on the season? Fifth in the NBA in scoring, in offensive efficiency. So it was working. It was working. The 12 games above 500. With Randle, they had the fifth best offense in all of basketball. He was the leading scorer on the team. It was working. I understand stats. I understand stats. But from the eye test, from the eye test, there were so many times where he would flop. And you and I both know that everybody would be so scared if there was like three minutes left on that clock and that ball was in his hand. But that's fine. He knew that that something might go wrong. And now you see it that – these they're winning and they're winning by a lot. Okay, and they beat the and Wizards it's because Randall is not having the ball and he's not on the court. Dave, they beat the Wizards last night. Let's not go nuts over beating one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. I'll give you the win against Cleveland. It was impressive. The second half against Miami was was good. Maybe Miami's just not that good. But I'll give you that second half against Miami. I'll give you the game against Cleveland. We're not going to talk about what they did to the Wizards, a bad team without three of their best players, or their three best players. Can we stop with the whole, The it just flows better, the ball is moving? Guys, when you get to the playoffs, you're going to need Julius Randle. Again, I ask you, if we get an announcement next week that he's out for the rest of the season, you think your your chances of winning that series increases? For all the folks who want to go at Randall and we don't need him, we don't want him, put Obi in the lineup, you know, get him out of here. You think the Knicks have a better shot at making noise in the playoffs if you remove him from the lineup? Stop it. New Jersey is where we go to talk to another Dave. What's up, Dave? Well, I'm I'm really would be the Randall defender. Now, the last caller was saying the ball moves better. Brunson does not. Brunson shoots. Shoots. He's a. He's what you call a jock. He's a jock. He just now got into New York. But basically, I, for these fans of Bass Jewish Randall, I have to lay it out this way: the Knicks have two NBA varsity players, which would be Randall, who is the best player on the Knicks, and Brunson, who is could be considered NBA varsity players. Quigley, Grimes, I love Sims. They're young players. They're going to be great players, but it's going to take them about two or three years. And they would be considered like JV players. The Knicks don't have, like, solid NBA players. You can look at Boston's whole team with uh, Brown, Williams, Hartford, um, Hartford, um, all those guys. Those guys solid players. The Knicks are not solid like that. But – I don't want. I'm gonna shorten my call. If, if these fans that hate Randall, look at the game that Randall played against Kevin Durant last season. 
he did work on um, Durant. And I'm a Durant fan. He put he put working on Durant. But yeah. Julius Randle is a good player. They were chirping at each other. I mean, Durant got the last laugh in that game because they did win. Yeah, but they, they won. Were... But but he was he was rocking them. And I, <laughs> I'm a Durant fan first, from Texas to the end. But he was he was putting working on KD because KD they were the Nets never played no defense last year. They played no defense at all. But he he was doing them. Yeah, listen. I love Dave. basketball. Listen, Dave, I appreciate the call. We this is a fan base that unfortunately suffers from uh, a sickness of not really appreciating what they have until it's gone. We saw it happen with Carmelo Anthony. And now it's funny this year. Oh, bring Melo back. Bring Melo back. When he was here, he wasn't appreciated. Now Julius Randle isn't Melo, especially on the all-time pantheon, but he's the best player you've had since Carmelo Anthony. Like he is as valuable uh, he's the most valuable player you've had since Melo, and he, for some reason, again, this 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 fan base just can't come to appreciate him. And I thought that there was a chance that had they lost the lead in that second half to Miami, had they got blown out in Cleveland, then maybe that chatter would stop. But since you, it went the other way, they started having success, and 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 now we're thinking. Oh, not we, but now they're thinking maybe we don't need him, which which to me is so far from the truth. Let's, let's appreciate what this guy's brought to the table. I know he's a flawed player, and I'm getting tweets at Ty D. Butler, well, from a bunch of people who are like, well, the guys you're comparing him to late in games, they're hitting those dagger shots. He doesn't play with poise late in games. Again, he's not those guys. He's not a superstar. He's not a top 10 top 15 player in the league and I'm I, I've never said that he is but what Julius Randle has become is a multi-time all-star only the fifth multi-time all-star you've had for this franchise in the last 40 years what he has become is a guy giving you 25 10 and 4 a stat line only three other guys in the NBA is putting up so you should appreciate what you have and what we do know is despite all the calls for you know Obi Toppin to take his minutes no Julius Randle, you're drawing dead in the playoffs against the Cavs. You get him, and then maybe you've got a shot. But if, if he's not playing or he's severely compromised, you're drawing dead. Coming up, uh, we're going to get into the Caitlin Clark and Reese conversation because um, people went crazy last night on Twitter. There's fake outrage happening, and we're going to put an end to it right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.